You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. What am I supposed to do? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Brandon Jaggers. I don't know. Just say something about uh, concert tour. And me, CC Broadus. No, I didn't even see that race. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to episode number 87 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, reporting from my palatial estate in beautiful downtown Bloomfield, Kentucky. I'm joined, as always, by Alan Schneider. Alan, how you doing? I'm good. I'm currently in my small shack out in the Fern Creek area of Kentucky. Uh, this little shanty that I live in and stuff. So I'm doing well. You ever heard of a 90-day fiancé? I've heard of it. I don't know exactly what it refers to. So the star of this show, Stephanie Matto, Matto, Stephanie Matto, she's about 31 years old. She's the star of the show, 90-day fiancé. She had to retire recently from selling her farts after she had a heart attack scare. Oh, my goodness. She sold her what? Flagellants? She was bottling her flatulence and selling it, and she was making about $50,000 a week. And I guess she wanted to increase production, so she started uh, started eating more, uh, uh, I would say. Fibrous? Maybe some, well, more beans, and uh, I'm trying to find it in the article. She loved black bean soup, and apparently she overdid it. And she nearly had a heart attack, but uh, I'm happy to report that she is out of the hospital. She's retired from the uh, the fart bottling industry, but uh, she's uh, I'm happy to report she's 100% healthy. Well, uh, first off, who the hell is buying that stuff? Did you say fifty thousand dollars? Is that what you said? A week, a week. A week? That was her sales. She she thinks she made like two hundred thousand dollars in sales over a month. And, uh, yeah, so she was trying to increase production. You know, she's got a, probably had a board of directors to satisfy, but, uh, (laughs) we should write her a good, a get well soon card from our, uh, auxiliary gate letterhead. (laughs) I don't want to have her on, but I guess was, was a, I guess her partners would have been the silent, but deadly type. Is that correct? (laughs) SBD. That SBD, That other voice on the line, that's Brandon Jaggers. Well, I'm I'm happy to report I'm on vacation. I haven't had vacation since my honeymoon back in June, and uh, we're we're at the lake at at Sarah's Lake House. So uh, anyway, don't forget vote for Sarah Clay for Circuit Court Judge come May and uh, in the November election. What's that name again? Sarah Clay. She didn't take my last name. I don't blame her. But Sarah Clay for Circuit Court D- Judge Division Nine. Do you remember Newhart? Remember that show Newhart? Oh, Hart? The, one of the greatest shows of his on history. Newhart, well, hands down. I don't. I don't. The uh, one of the characters on that show took his wife's name. I can't remember who it was, but maybe Brandon, you could take your wife's name. It's been Which talked it? about soon, very yeah. soon. 
So, Brandon, uh, the the Powerball jackpot is $630 million now. I think they're having a drawing here in a couple of nights. Let's say you hit that $630 million. Uh, what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to probably change my name to be, uh, you know, some big shake from, uh, you know, the Middle East. I'm going to start my own uh, horse raising breeding operation. I'm going to have the finest of mares. Only bred to the best of stallions and probably lose a ton of money, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a three years. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Call uh, myself. I think I'd rather. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to hang on to some of the money partially, but. <laughs> so, guys, our, our guest this evening is going to be Farron Peterson. That's uh, the Dr. Farron Peterson. She's actually a vet. Uh, doing some research on her. It, it reminded me of another. Uh, vet and there's a lot of good stories in the horse racing game we just don't hear about them very much but i i had come across this one night there was a vet in new york in the late 70s that kind of inherited a, one of the big practices at belmont or, or at uh, on the on the new york circuit and she wound up dating john campo do you, you guys know that name yeah. john campo yeah, he trained yeah he trained pleasant colony who won the the 81 derby in preakness and Campo was a really brash guy. Uh, they dated for a little bit, and then um, they broke up, I think, or she left him, and she started dating Pete Axthelm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but I think uh, Campo was kind of a little bit on the nutty side, and he kind of scared Pete Axthelm off. So, I mean, it's a really great story, but uh, it, it took a turn for the worse. I think she she wound up dead in Chicago a few years after they broke up. And uh, they kind of, it was ruled a suicide, but it was like, you know what, this uh, this Campo character might have had something to do with that. So, but uh, you you get a chance, look at that. I think Sports Illustrated did an article on that years ago. Okay. We we need to do one of those two or three hour podcasts where we do a deep dive into the crazy stories like that. I think that'd be interesting, but I don't have. We've done a, we've done some long podcasts before. I don't think they've ever been interesting, but we can try it. I, yeah, I've, I'm 46 years old. I've yet to do anything interesting yet. But, uh, yeah, like you said, we can always try. But, uh, uh, guys, anything you want to talk about before we get to our guests? Uh, you know, we, Well, I, I will say that, you know, I, I can tell you this. Our next guest is incredibly interesting. Farron, if, if you're getting ready to listen to that, it's remarkably interesting. So she'll make up all for our shortcomings. So I'll tell you that. But there is a, uh, there's a small – there's a carryover in the pick five at Turfway. Friday, if they run, it's going to be snowing tomorrow night. But if they run, uh, we're not going to go on any huge sequence thing or whatever. Is it, did you remember? Is there anything you liked in that sequence that you might use as an anchor, or have you, or do you remember who's in there? See, I, I know you think it's difficult. I, I think it's difficult as well. But I also, also think it's diff, It's it's not so hard to take a stand. Yeah. And play a not so large ticket. I think you can get by with maybe a seventy or eighty dollar ticket. And I'd say it's fair. If you can get your single right, I think you've got a shot to, to hit it. But like I said, I, I don't. Other than that, you know, I, it's it's it is pretty wide open. But yeah, uh, yeah it, and it's going to be difficult to hit. If you know, so I, I'm not going to play a too big of a ticket if I do play it. Yeah, I'll put a small one in. My decision making comes in race four. I, mean, my, uh, I you could use four or five in there. I'm not going to do that. There's two that I like, and it's going to come down to which one I decide to use as a bit of an anchor. I don't want to go through like a you know every every race there's a couple horses there that i've got it narrowed down to either gray nay or addison the six or the seven 
and I'm going to decide which one I use my camera. I'm having a hard time. to. So I'm not going to use both because I double this ticket and spend a fortune. But uh, uh, it's between Gray Nay and Addison as my uh, as the ones I'm going to put a use as an anchor, a kind of a, a foundation. But uh, we'll see. But outside of that, you know, I'll use a few and a couple other legs. The uh, the there's a McPeak horse in one of those two. I don't have the PPs in front of me, but the, I think for Walking Hill, maybe in yeah. the th- third or fifth race. I'm I'm thinking of maybe leaning towards uh, singling that one. I think that was an expensive expensive buy. And yes, uh, I believe McPeak uh, screwed my pick five up last time at Turfway, yeah. so I think uh, yeah. I think we might we might try to single him this time. And he's been on fire. He he's already won a. A derby prep this year in the young year so yeah he has a schmooze in race three for the mockmer mockmer hall which i believe you've had on before on the podcast correct is that fair oh, to say? yeah they were she was tremendous yeah that was good i loved that and the horse you're referring to is we've had the walking l uh, scott leads on before he's fantastic and the horse you're referring to is make way who's not into the morning line that's uh, in race three and that horse does have a big chance and uh, ran against a couple of good ones in grantham and hornbeam so if and again, you know, I'm a big fan of the contrary singles. I think that's a good contrary single to try to sink your teeth. And plus, uh, as we've talked numerous times, the Yale guys are great because a lot of the money that they their horses make goes to the uh, goes to uh, disabled veterans and just veterans in general and stuff. So I'm always pulling for the walking L guys. So if you're if your single were to win, uh, America's veterans would win. Sounds good to me. Brandon, mm-hmm. anything you want to add? Yeah, outside the uh, early pick five sequence, you know, our good friend Will Nefker, who's been on the pod definitely a couple, uh, two or three times now, handicapped yes. and giving great analysis, especially around Breeders' Cup. He's a great addition to Breeders' Cup team uh, as we go through those cards. They have their first, uh, I believe it's their first filly that's been in training uh, a good part of the year. Just turned three years old, named Cairo Driver. They run under River City Racing. Uh, she's making her first debut for uh, Tommy Drury, and uh, she's going to be going in a maiden claim up at Turfway uh, that Friday night around, I think it's the 947 is where they try to start time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the last race or second to last race. I think it's second it's to last, last race. Oh, it is. Yeah, so we, I, I know Will Nefsker is probably going to be heading up there. I don't know if anybody else might be going. Uh, I'm kind of caught here in uh, in Bergen, Kentucky, so I may or may just end up watching on my iPad, but we want to uh, wish them best of trips and best of luck. Hey, Kyle man, Will's Pry- a great guy. Will's yeah. a great guy. It's, a, it's a, uh, a daughter of Cairo Prince out of a candy ride mare. There's some breeding there, and uh looks like a partnership with Team Valor when they bred this horse. So uh, yeah. Malcolm Franklin, Tom Drury, we'll see if we can get done there. Good luck to Will. Yep, might catch a price, and uh, then they've they've got a nice uh, they got a breeding operation. They have got a great mare, and they keep getting rebred. So you're going to see hopefully a couple more of their runners hit maybe you know once a year, hopefully twice. You'll see a couple runners. So uh, best of luck to them. Definitely, there's not much in that race. That horse could definitely get a piece of that. All right, let's get to our guest, and uh, Alan's going to introduce her right now. Yeah, folks, uh, CC, Brandon, and myself had wanted to have tonight's guest on for some time, and uh, I can truly say that after digging into her story, I'm so glad we did. Is She's much more than just a talented up-and-coming jockey that we initially thought. Turns out she's a fitness guru, a world-traveling humanitarian, and a licensed vet. 
This Renaissance man, or should I say Renaissance woman, is jockey Farron Peterson, and we are thrilled to have her on the auxiliary gate. Farron, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. How are you guys? Oh, we're fine. We're, we're really thrilled that you joined us, and we've wanted to have you on for a while, as, as, uh, as I say. And as I'm saying that, I like to tell you, Farron, that we always try to be friendly to our guests. It's, it's, it's a thing we try to do. And I can tell you in this circumstance, I'm going to try to be even more so with you because I've seen some of your workout videos and I'm pretty sure you could beat me up. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. took the words out of my mouth. Really nice. uh, before we get going on anything, I mean, uh, I think we got to touch on this. Is it fair to say fitness is important to you? Is that an understatement? Because uh, it's pretty impressive what I've seen. That is an understatement. It's definitely a major part of my lifestyle. Uh, care to elaborate? I mean, what do you do on an ordinary uh, workout? I like to change it up because I think when fitness is your lifestyle, you have to look forward to it. So mm -hmm. in the warmer months, I love road cycling, mountain biking, running. Um, right now, I'm really getting into calisthenics, and I've joined a gym locally in Lexington. It was created by a five-time American Ninja Warrior. And oh. it was a former Division One pole vaulter through college. So we did a lot of gymnastics training. So this gym has bars and rings and regular weight material. Um, but it really can change up your workouts every day. So it keeps it fresh. It makes me look forward to going even when I'm tired or sore. I think I want to accomplish this new move or, you know, this new obstacle course. And then I've also joined a boxing gym out here with professional boxers. And some of them are aiming towards the Olympics. And so just being around individuals like that who are really focused and goal oriented is really helping me with my fitness game. Yeah, it, it's impressive. And for those you guys, you may not realize, but uh, Farron was going to be on with us last night, but she had to reschedule because she was going to be boxing for two hours. If that gives you any idea of what kind of shape she's in. How did that go, by the way? It was great. We have just a small, um, like, shed sort of that we've put together and we have about 10 people and we're sparring in there and sweating together and I mean just to come together in a group like that and you know in some warehouse it's it's you know just really inspiring yeah Brandon and I were talking off air beforehand uh, because Brandon boxed a little bit in, in high school boxing is an incredible workout but it's just not just about punching people I mean it'll wear you out uh uh, is that fair to say, Farron? You, you get your money's worth, don't you? Absolutely. And I'd done some MMA years back, so I had a foundation in it, but I'd never oh. sparred before. Oh. And this is just boxing, but we spar every weekend together. And I'm really on top of my cardio from cycling and running. And two minutes in that ring, the last 30 seconds, you're just thinking, when is this round over? So right. I've seen my fitness really jump up from that. Now, backtracking, you said MMA. Are we talking? Is this Chelsea Bailey? I know she does the MMA stuff. Uh, how long did you do that? I did it for about two years when I was an apprentice jockey over in Northern California. Uh, my mentor, Victor Ordonez, he works in the starting gate and he was training me as a jockey and he was training me in MMA on the side just to help my fitness. And we would do that in the jocks room before the races. So it was my warm up and then the other jockeys would come in and train with us. And we kind of got a whole crew together doing that. Was that competitive? I mean, did you whip any old? Did you whip any guys' rear ends? A little bit. Yeah. Brag <laughs> yeah. on yourself. That's okay. Go right ahead. That's right. I threw some good kicks. 
Yeah. And I'm guessing all that fitness and, and stuff, all that, it's got to help in the feet of the competition coming down the stretch. In the, in the heat of competition, coming down the wire, it, it's got to help, right? Absolutely. And I mean, the punch is a lot like your drive down the stretch. And then what shocked me was what wears you out in sparring is actually your legs because you're doing so much leg work and squatting and dodging punches. And, you know, as jockeys, we have very strong legs. And so yeah. I didn't think that part would get tired on me. And then even reacting to punches and immediately having to think about your return punch, I think helps you be on top of a race, thinking about holes and if one hole closes, where to go next and where to position your horse. And so it just gives you that quick reaction time. Gotcha. You know, I, I, we had a, a podcast last week about airing your grievances. And one of my main ones is people that bash jockeys online. I think it's kind of kind of cowardly so if there's anybody out there that's going to think twice now about maybe saying something <laughs> negative about miss peterson because i think you're getting up with a couple of black eyes and a broken jaw i think that's a distinct possibility so i would watch myself with farron right farron better watch your backs yeah. yeah you said northern california you grew up in northern california right yes in sacramento and being such an a Sacramento Bee, right? That's the newspaper there. Is that yes, right? it is. I'm just showing off. Uh, <laughs> did you ever compete or play any team sports? Was it all uh, uh, the solo uh, solo efforts? Um, no, never did team sports. I mean, track and field is a team sport, but it's also very individual. So I guess the most team oriented event I did was the four by four hundred relay. But mm-hmm. really, my main event was a pole vaulter. Really? Yeah. How high could you get on that? 12 feet, two inches. I still have six records in the pole vault. Jesus Christ. Wow. Guys, have you ever have you ever pole vaulted 12 feet, either one of you? I, I've seen it before, but I've <laughs> never attempted. No, I've never done that. Um, so what age did you think about becoming, hey, uh, a professional jockey? I think that's what I need to try next. When did that come about? Since I was really young, I grew up with horses. My mom rode. And we just had, you know, Arabians and we'd go trail riding and I would go as fast as I could on the trails. And I just kept telling my family, I'm going to be a jockey someday. And my mom's petite. She's 4'11 and my dad's six foot. So as I grew, I kept worrying that I'd be too tall to be a jockey. And I don't really know where this desire came from. But I mean, I had multiple Halloweens where I dressed up as a jockey. I told everyone I was going to be a jockey. And it just took a long time to find out how to become one because I don't have any family in the industry. But really? It was a long dream. Did you go to the track as a kid, Golden Gate or Bay no, Meadows? No, I or? didn't even realize that those tracks were so nearby. So huh. I often begged my parents to take me to the Derby in the spring because my birthday's in the spring. And I said, hey, it could be a birthday present and we can count it for Christmas. And they never took the bait. And um and Santa Anita is not that far from us. And we'd been down there for the Rose Bowl. But I think just my parents didn't even realize kind of the opportunities because they were always open to it. My dad, he loves high adrenaline sports. He was actually my pole vault coach. And um, so they would have supported it early on, but they just didn't know how to direct me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, here's the, the interest that you asked that your parents to take you to the Derby. Maybe down the road when you get that derby mount maybe you can bring them out to churchill bounds what do you That's say about great. that i like um, that list. i'm sure you do uh, so from california you go from california you end up in new jersey that's a whole nother part of the world three thousand miles uh was there a culture shock going from the left coast to the right coast or which vice versa whichever one's which 
Not that much. I thought people, um, I expected the East Coast to be a little bit more, you know, you hear of New Yorkers as being kind of tough and maybe a little bit cold towards you, but everyone out there that I met was just really welcoming, really hospitable. I felt like I developed all these second families out there. And um, so I had a really good experience and I loved getting out somewhere that had seasons. So mm-hmm. even though we had cold winters. I looked forward to it and I felt like I was the only jockey that was excited when it started snowing. Um, and when the leaves changed, I just, I really looked forward to that change and it was something different. You know, TV has taught me over my 51 years plus that uh, everybody in New Jersey says things like you skies and forget about it. And they wear track suits. Uh, <laughs> is that true? No. Um, (laughs) I didn't even notice much of a different accent. I mean, when I was around more people from Boston, I could recognize that accent. Um, but otherwise I'd say they have better Italian food than we do. Um, their seafood was actually really good and fresh, uh, which is something that was important for me coming from California. And before I'd moved out, I was getting to live in San Diego for six months, which is a beautiful part of the world. And so the whole time that I was thinking of moving to New Jersey, I, my friends from California were going, are you crazy? But it's actually a hidden gem out there and they have an amazing park system. And that's mm-hmm. where I picked up mountain biking and I would do trail runs and I'd do swims in the ocean. And uh, then it's just a short ferry ride over to Manhattan. So you have that big city without having to live in it. So I'm not a city person, but I like to go to museums and good restaurants. So you kind of have it all in one spot. Yes, we almost vacationed in the Point Pleasant, Cape May area, the southern portion of uh, New Jersey one time. I think we got as far as Delaware. We never made it over, but I hear it's wonderful up there. So that's on my bucket list, Yeah. Uh, especially the way you speak highly about it. And now you find yourself in our home state of Kentucky. Uh, Now, most people would assume it's because this is racehorse country, Churchill, Keeneland, Kentucky Downs, Turfway, etc., but with you, and maybe a lot of people don't realize this, it was more than just the horse industry, right, that brought you here. You want to tell me about that? Well, I've been to Kentucky off and on for the last 10 years. So since I was an undergrad, I was coming out here doing veterinary internships. And uh, then I was working the sales at Keeneland. And I was working the breeding season at some of the breeding farms like Ashford. So off and on, I kept coming back and Kentucky has always felt like my second home and everywhere I've moved, I feel like I've compared it to Lexington because I just love, you just don't see horse country like this and mm-hmm. such a small area. And I've developed a lot of friends over the years from all those um, opportunities. So to me, it's always been ideal to get back this way. I just didn't know when that opportunity would come. And it's obviously a competitive jockey colony, but I finally decided it was time to make the move. I wanted to focus more on my veterinary medicine with horses as well. And so there's a lot of need out here. So it worked yeah. out for me to do both. Yeah, a lot of people may not realize this about you. It's like, yeah, you're on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, you're riding racehorses. And earlier in the week, you're working on your veterinary skills lots of times, right? Because that's, I mean, yes. you, you're a licensed vet. Yes. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, my weeks are not usually that full, Farron. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so let's talk some Kentucky race riding. I mean, that's that's what this podcast is about, this Kentucky racing. And you're at Turfway now. You're stable at Turfway. 
mm-hmm. and not stable, but you're riding a turfway. Yeah, you bagged three winners so far at the meet. Is that right? Yes. I want to say. Uh huh. There's a there's a couple horses I want to discuss that you've ridden, but uh, first there's a couple standard questions I ask uh, all the jockeys we have on about turfway. Number one, how do you like the tapita and any other idiosyncrasies that that turfway oval has? Uh, what do you think about it? I enjoy the tapita. I started out riding at Golden Gate, and it's also tapita, so I'm used to riding on it. Um, yeah, I don't notice much of a difference other than you get less kickback. Um, it's often not as speed biased as a dirt track. Uh, when it rains, it's a lot more enjoyable. Uh, although sometimes it's fun to get really sloppy and sloppy, right? Goggles, <laughs> but it is convenient as far as that's concerned. And sometimes with the first time starters, it's a little bit easier because when they get a big wad of dirt to the face, it shocks a lot of them and the tapitas a little softer that way. So, so I like changing it up. That's good. And so you said, uh, and that's kind of been the, um, the thing about Turfway is like it's the speed doesn't hold as well as some other places. The, the closers have a tendency to do better ordinarily. Do you like that or is it, do you not have a preference? I like that because I like just, it makes handicapping more interesting. And Agreed. Yes. And with big 12 horse fields, it can be hard to get the lead. And so it's nice to have, you know, fairly equal chance. I mean, it's always a little bit, you know, better chance if you're on the lead because you have less traffic, but you know that you can close if you're riding, you know, a decent horse. Uh, and uh, Kate, Kate uh, let a conversation with a jockey go by and not ask about the cold weather at Turfway. I know you're from California, as we've mentioned. Right. And it's getting ready to snow here tomorrow. I know they don't race till Friday, but what do you think about that cold weather at night? Uh, how do you like that? I don't mind it. And I always make sure that I keep training throughout the winter in the cold. So last year when I was at Aqueduct, I would train at night. Um, there was another athlete I'd found. He had been a former Olympic sprinter and we would go to a high school track right by Belmont and we would do sprint repeats. And I just thought as long as I keep myself acclimated to being out in the cold, when I'm riding in the cold, that's going to be one less mental factor that I have taken into consideration. So right now I'm still running outside and um, every day. And so I've actually been fine with it because I spent winters in New York and Maryland and we had a lot of snow, ice storms, which I'd never experienced before. So I'm ready for it. You're a lot tougher than I am, Farron, because I enjoy running. I do. I'm, I'm not very fast at it, and I'm getting older, but I <laughs> hate running in the cold. I think it's torture. So uh, uh, hats off to you for that. Um, I talked about your three winners so far. One of them is a horse named Incessant for uh, Jack Sisterson. Yes. Uh, about a week ago, is that correct? Yeah. It was, um, I bring it up. Because you won an extremely tight photo. I couldn't call it. The angle's bad at Turfway. Uh, did you know you won that race or not? I did. You knew you won it? How, how much did you win by? I didn't think we were going to catch uh, I Joe Talamo, but right when we got to the wire, I knew we had it. Uh, the angle at Turfway's bad. So I thought you were getting there, but then on the replay, I was like, mm, I don't know. But uh, I've been wrong about that a lot of late. Um, how many times in your career so far um, have you ended up on the other side of such photos? Has that happened often? Um, not too often. I've had a dead heat once, and I was pretty sure I won that race, uh, so that was frustrating. Um, but for the most part, 
I ride nice and low and finish strong. And so I try to win those photos. And that's part of all that working out. You get the, you're able to get that head down on the wire. I see. Right. Um, and when thinking back to incessant's run down the stretch, was that my imagination? That horse get popped by somebody down the right. It looked like she got, got broadsided, and you was able to hold, uh, to uh, navigate through that. Is that true? She got bumped pretty hard and had to take, you know, a sidestep to correct herself. And so I was really impressed how game she was, because some horses will quit when that happens, but she just pushed right on and it seemed to like give her almost more motivation to keep going head and head with that horse. And uh, winning a race in that fashion, because it was a really tight photo. Is that more enthralling? Is that more, do you get more Absolutely. pumped up winning one? It is more than winning by eight. I'd really rather win a race like that than win it easy on the lead and sitting and looking pretty. I like <laughs> you really are a competitor. Uh, <laughs> yes. We had uh, Sarah Hamilton on a couple of weeks ago, and she was just a wonderful person, wonderful interview. Uh, I know you guys are friends. We are. And I know you got to win with her this meet, but there's a horse that you finished fourth on of hers uh, last week, and that caught my eye. It's a two-year-old, now three-year-old, named GoldenEye. Yes. It's a hard-spun colt out of Street of Gold who was a really nice turf horse. Uh, are you and Sarah excited about that one? Are there big things ahead for that? Because I really like the way that horse finished. We are excited. Yeah, we're looking forward to his three-year-old year, and we wanted to run him long anyways, and um, so we didn't think he would sprint that well. And having to be in the one hole and loading first, and he made up a lot of ground in that race. So I was very impressed. I came back, and I just said, he ran even better than I thought he would, and I already had high hopes for this horse. So yeah. he's just strong and powerful, and he hasn't even found himself yet. Just figuring yeah, because that, that race had a very live Wesley Ward horse and a very live John Hancock horse. Mm-hmm. So th- th- those were ready to go that day. I just, I just, uh, your horse caught my eye, and I think go, going longer maybe is that the plan or turf yeah, that's or the plan. going longer. Okay, I'll be looking for so that's Golden Eye. We're gonna keep our eyes out for Golden Eye, folks. Yeah, uh, in this month hopefully. All right, I'll turn it over real quick to my co-hosts here. Uh, CC, anything from Miss uh, Peterson? Well, I think we're addressing her wrong. We should be talk, calling her uh, Dr. Peterson, right? <laughs> That's true. I apologize for that. I apologize. Wouldn't that be cool if you put that in the program? Uh, you know, uh, next. I've to had the people ask me before. Fans go, when are we gonna change it? <laughs> you should do that. Just consider. You should. That, sure. You yeah. really should. It makes you stand yep. out. That's That's a really cool first name. So, Doc, are you uh, are you the first jockey to become a vet or the first vet to become a jockey? I'm the first vet to become a jockey. I do know of two vets who were jockeys previously. Okay. Uh, one of them practices out here in Kentucky and the other, Dr. Blue, out in Santa Anita. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Who's the other so, one here? I don't know his name, but I usually see him at Thoroughbred Training Center in Lexington. So I just oh. recently found out, and his main circuit was actually New Jersey. Hmm. Well, so he's talking, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> so yeah. real, real quick, uh, Farron, uh, before you came on the air, our very own Brandon Jaggers was actually uh, talking trash about you. Uh, <laughs> he's he's really like a, I guess you call it a chauvinist. Like he he was uh-huh. talking. Yeah, he said you know no no female jockey could whip me. Uh, so do I need to get my gloves out? Yeah, so I was yeah. I was wondering if I put up a thousand dollars, could could I get you all in a cage? Maybe just oh for yeah, charity? oh yeah, just for charity. Uh huh. Yeah, for charity. 
we'll see what Brandon's made of. I, you know. Let's find out. Oh my God, it's going way <laughs> off board here. <laughs> Brandon's in his forties. Take it easy on him. Yeah. Yeah. I did all those things in my thirties and even forty, but now forty-two and married. It's just uh, this is all you got. I, I I do nothing now besides work and tend to the house. Okay, we'll give you one month to train. All right, deal. <laughs> I think you're gonna need one decade to train. <laughs> I agree. I am going to take up Pilates this year. Pilates is going to be my thing. I love Pilates. I know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do it because my back's killing me and my knees. i got a bad knee. Uh, if I guess from running, I've run five marathons. and I, Oh, I, wow. I just can't run. My feet hurt. So yeah. That, that sounds like a bunch of old man pain, but I'm going to go to Pilates and figure that out. And well, at least they're valid. You've done awesome things in your life, so. It's a good yeah. reason to be sore. I need to do something in my 40s because my 30s was great. My 40s is, we're going to start out better than, than we did in 2021. Yeah, right. All right, guys, hey, get the focus back to me now. <laughs> now, first of all, Farron, congratulations on, a, you know, you're, you're young, but your your career is really taking off. You're exact opposite of me, uh, <laughs> and, and you should be proud of that. You're You're driven. And you're smart and you're accomplished, and I'm I'm the exact opposite of all of those. Oh, so, well, yes. Yeah, I find that yeah. hard to believe. Well, well, we'll talk one day, but no, seriously. Let's. Uh, I read that your uh, one of your previous agents was Julie Crone, who was probably yeah. probably the most decorated uh, female rider that uh, we've ever seen. Uh, maybe up there with Rosie and Rosie Nick, but uh, Julie Crone won a Belmont Stakes on Colonial Fair. In '93, she was your agent for a little while. Uh, tell us about how you all met, and uh, what uh, what did you learn from from Julie Crone? Yes, and she's the only female jockey in the Hall of Fame, so she's had an amazing career, and I've always looked up to her. So I happened to meet her at Delmar. I was riding there after I graduated vet school, and she was there doing a book signing and receiving the Lafitte Pink Eye Award. And we happened to be walking out of the main entrance at the same time with thousands of people around. And I saw her and approached her. And I said, are you Julie Crone? And she goes, are you the vet jock? And I said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it turned out she'd actually been watching me ride all summer. And she said, I've been thinking about being an agent. And do you want to come over to my house tomorrow? And I'm like, uh, yeah. So I came over and we just kind of talked and she didn't say anything more about being an agent. She worked with me a little bit on the Equisizer, which her Equisizer has her original Colonial Affair saddle towel, which is great. And so she said, well, come back over in a week. So I came back over a week later and she thought about it more. And she said, yeah, if you're up for it, I'd really like to take your book. So I've never been an agent, uh, but I think I'd be good at it. And so then after a month, she said, what would you think about moving out to the East Coast? Because Monmouth is where she got her foot in the door and helped her to go to the New York colony. So I said, anywhere you want to go, Julie, I'll go. So we moved out there. She saw his friends out there with a house. So we all got to live in the same house. We brought the equisizer. And so just having like that mentorship really getting me going. And as an agent, she just has this infectious personality. I don't know if. You've probably seen her in interviews. Um, mm-hmm. She's delightfully weird, I think. <laughs> she is. Right? Yeah. And this one's great. She doesn't care. And, uh, you know, like no shame. And so 
she would beg for horses for me and push trainers, but you know, they don't find her annoying. Like she's fun and has this great energy. And she really believed in me, which you need that in an agent because they're selling a product. And when you're trying to get going, it can be hard to find an agent who really believes in you. And uh, so she had all of that. And so we had a terrific meet together, ended up second in the standings. And Paco Lopez only beat us by nine wins. Wow. And just learning from a person like her with the experience that she has. And, you know, it was fun, too. Like, she really kept me grounded, taught me the sports psychology side of it as well. You know, how to move on from a loss, how to even move forward after a win and not get too high, not get too low. And uh, she's really into the horsemanship side of things and, you know, how to get a horse to want to run for you. So I learned so much from her. And even though she's not my agent now, she's still my riding mentor and I can still call her anytime. And I can say, hey, can you look up this race and, you know, let me know what I should have done different. And so it's just an amazing resource to have. Brandon, you're going to have to look this up. I'm, I'm doing this from memory, but back when Julie Crone road i think she was at meadowlands one night and one of those jocks was crowding her or something is kind of bumping her up going up the backside and julie just pulls out her whip and just whaps the shit out of this guy like six or seven <laughs> times do you remember that alan i do yes thankfully now that you mentioned yes oh, she was she was great man I she, be she, she, she was never <laughs> intimidated by anybody no 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 so uh farron uh in this turfway riding colony, I just just a quick question, uh, really a silly question. If uh, if there was one person in that riding colony that you would not want to fight head to head, who would it be? You know, fist fight or an MMA fight in a cage? Who's the toughest jock in the in the in the colony? Hmm, that's a good question. Maybe. Emmanuel Esquivel, because um, I noticed he's a very good race rider. Like he if he is. gets boxed in, he's hard to get out of. And so I think he'd be really tough in a fight. And I enjoy him as a friend, which is great because he's a nice, humble guy. But in a race, like you better watch where he is because you don't want him to get you trapped. Huh. He's an underrated rider. He's an underrated rider. I'll tell you that. No he doubt is. about it. So fair enough. Where do you see yourself uh, in the next few years? Uh, you're going to stick in Kentucky. We'd love to have you here for sure. Yes. But what's, uh, what, what, what's the plan? I really want to get on the Kentucky circuit full time. I've just been watching it as the future of horse racing just keeps improving in Kentucky. And after the historic horse racing bill passed in the spring, I just thought, you know, this is a place where it's growing. I love Kentucky and the veterinary work, you know, it's, there's plenty of that. And just to be around really great riders, I've always tried to follow tracks. That's why I went to Southern California the first time. That's why I went to New York in the winter is even if I'm going to have to work harder to prove myself, I'd rather be riding with great riders because they make you better. Yeah, I've heard that before. Like playing tennis. They say if you play somebody that's better than you at tennis, you'll eventually get better. If you play somebody that's worse than you, you'll get worse. I guess you pick up bad habits and whatnot. But yeah, uh, Brandon, do you have any questions for Doctor Peterson? Yeah, a few. I mean, it's uh, it's quite remarkable to have the accreditation of uh, of a vet and all the time that it takes because 
you know, becoming a vet is very specialized. There's not many schools that do it. Uh, there's a lot of places you got to go and a lot of time you got to put into. I mean, it's not easy. I've had people, you got to test way out of this world to actually get into veterinary school. I think I had friends that wanted to go from UK to Auburn and they didn't make it. I mean, they just, it was too tough. They only, Auburn took only 30 or 40 uh, people at the time, I guess, for that class. And I just, I commend you for that for sure. Thank you. Um, you know, on the on the race record side, I mean, you're 33% in the money out of all the starts. So that, that's pretty strong. And I think it's it's perfect now to, to shift to Kentucky just like you said, passing of the 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 new gaming license, if you will, the the modification to what Kentucky will actually allow, and we've talked about it length and here. I wish they would allow to do more, but it it works for horse racing and and the purses, and it and it funnels down to everybody else that's connected. And you know, Churchill is one of the busiest backsides I've ever seen. Uh, I've been to a couple of different uh, tracks, but it's real busy. So. How, how do you distinguish yourself in the mornings and how does your agent and who is your current agent right now? And who, who do you align with in the backside in the mornings if you can ride? Right. My current agent is Julio Espinoza. So he also represents Rafael Bejarano. And we had become friends riding at the Del Mar meet uh, in 2019. And so I was breezing just about less than two months ago in the morning with him. And Rafael says, well, who's your agent? And I had just moved out here about a month before. And I said, I haven't picked an agent yet. I'm trying to be really selective and take my time and find the right person. So he said, well, I'll talk to my agent. And I think he would fit you really well. And Julio was a really successful jockey on this circuit. And people speak really highly of he won several titles at Keeneland and Churchill. So it's kind of like getting another Julie Crone where you get an agent and a mentor all in one. And then to have Bejarano on my team, he has an equisizer and we'll train together on dark days. Um, the vet clinic where I work is just 10 minutes down the road from him. And so we'll push each other till we can't feel our legs and uh, then we'll go running together. And so just to have a training partner like that um, has been really great. So uh, in the mornings, I guess I distinguish myself. I wear gold stars on my helmet cover. So everyone says they recognize me by that. And I've done that since I was back in California. And I, I, mean, I breeze for a lot of different trainers. Um, kind of my regulars would be more the Keelan crew right now on Rice Road. So, you know, they just keep a small section of Keeneland open year round. Um, but that's where I spend most of my mornings. And you're right, Churchill is a very busy backside. And the first time I went, it was a bit intimidating. But now I feel like I can navigate the backside and you know, every time you go, you just meet one new trainer and keep passing people. And now they've seen me ride. So it just takes some time. And then, you know, just having people introduce you. And so being able to go around now that I have an agent, it was nice to do it on my own first. But then he helps me make that next transition and introduces me to people that he knows well. Yeah, that's I mean, it's a, such a big deal that the connections of people just like us. I was actually going to nominate Craig Broadus or the, or the podcast to be your future agent. Cause we can put in the work on the backside, but, <laughs> but we we gotta go. retire. I need to retire from my day job first. I got 13 or 14 more years. And then I plan to be back there at okay. 5 a.m. every day. So I just have to wait 13 years. 
Yeah, 13 more. So we'll okay, see you got it. Where we are by that time. Uh-huh. Uh, did you get so when you go to Keeneland, have you knocked on the door of Tessa? Tessa Bishop for Brad with Cox. Brad Cox. I was just talking with her yesterday. We were watching horses train and oh. I would love to ride for their barn. And when I met Brad um, at Churchill before he headed off, um, he actually knew who I was and he had seen me riding at um, Monmouth and recognized that I had a good meet out there. And um, so I'm hoping that I get into that barn. That yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put in a good word and I'll send him the podcast too. But, you know, Brad is, I don't know how he notices everything, but he notices a lot and remembers quite a lot. So uh, I'm not saying he's perfect by any means, but he won't say it either. But I tell you, <laughs> he, he keeps a close eye on a lot of things. And it's almost like a photographic memory, if you ask me. But hmm. I'm not surprised. I mean, his horses are running spectacularly. And he is such a kind, humble person, too. I was surprised meeting him. He has a sense of humor. You know, sometimes you just think these really top trainers are going to be more intimidating to meet. And then he was just very easy to talk to. Yeah, well, we can't wait to see you more in the spring. We love watching Turfway. I love Turfway at night. I think every, every even though it's not great for the horsemen and the horse, I think <laughs> the race at night, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the things that we get as a viewer and as a, as part of a, you know, the podcast and a, and a better that once you're out of your day job, you get something to do, look forward to in the night. And it's, it's pretty awesome. It's, to me, Turfway is special like that. It's the only one. I don't know what Sundays, why they, I think it's great that they do Sunday's day, but we always still want Sunday at night too. But, uh, <laughs> but I think Keeneland is, gosh, you're, I mean, you're, you're right there in the world of, of all the horses. So, I mean, if the longer you can stay in Keeneland, I think the better the results may come. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just so many great horses come out of there. And so the trainers who have already given me an opportunity are some of the top trainers, which has been, you know, a great surprise because uh, it takes a while usually to work your way into those barns. So I got to breed some horses in preparation for Breeders' Cup when I first come here. And um, so even though I'm not riding those horses in the races yet, just getting my foot in the door and getting those opportunities to be on those nice horses is a step in the right direction. Yeah, and I bet the next crop of two-year-olds in training and, and the ones that are going to debut this coming year, you're, you're going to get busy real, mm -hmm. real fast. Yes. Love to find a good two-year-old. That's right. Hey, Farron, I uh, I alluded to world traveling humanitarian in the opening. Mm -hmm. And uh, despite your young age, you've seen an awful lot of the world, more than we've talked about so, so far. Uh, Hong Kong, Japan, Burma, Dubai, and all with good reasons. Would you, do you want to elaborate on, on how you managed to do that and why you were over at those exotic places? Right. So I went to... Burma first. Um, I've always had a heart for giving back and doing humanitarian work. And there's a big need for veterinary missionaries. And there are medical missionaries out there, human doctors. And people used to say to me, well, if that's what you want to do, why don't you go to med school? And I said, well, there are plenty of people who already are satisfying that need. But people also rely on animals to survive in these developing countries. So I've gone to Burma now twice. And I would do it on my Christmas vacations because um, I would need a two-week gap and you have to backpack in so we do it during the dry season so you can only go in the winter and it's 
probably the most grueling thing I've ever done. I mean, you yeah. dive in for 10 hours and it's just up and down mountains and you get to these really remote villages, but I would go in there to care for their animals and mostly for their pack animals. So they had mules and Mongolian ponies who would carry medical supplies to the villagers because Burma's in a civil war, so they're helping the refugees. So just being able to give back like that is huge to me. And then I'd written a grant to do a research project on equine abandonment in Ethiopia for their wow. cart horses because Ethiopia still uses cart horses as a major transportation compared to most of the African countries. Um, a large population of horses reside in Ethiopia specifically. So I spent a summer out there and I mean, I remember bathing out of a bucket and, you know, living a really rural lifestyle and same with Burma is bathing in rivers. And I find when you're in that environment, you just kind of take it all in and embrace it. And here I don't want to take a cold shower, but when you're in the middle of it, you know, there's just something special about it. So that's something that post COVID I would love to be able to keep doing every year because it is yeah. very important to me. And then, um, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And then the other countries, um, I always believe that whatever you want to do, you want to find the best people in your field and learn from them. So as I kept pursuing being a racetrack veterinarian, I wanted to see different jurisdictions around the world and how they do it. And Japan is one of the most impressive to me and very kind of unknown. So I went out there and they said I was their first intern they'd ever had. They never had an international vet student come and visit them. So I got to spend several weeks out there and then I returned a few years later and they told me to bring my helmet and riding vest and I got to Breeze up the northern farm, um, Mr. Yoshida's farm. Wow. And, uh, ride some deep impact horses, and it was wow. an amazing experience. And I would do that in the morning, and then I'd go and help with surgeries in the afternoon. And it was just the perfect uh, conglomeration of everything I love doing. And then from there, I went to Hong Kong, and that was really spectacular. And they do night racing at least part of the year at Happy Valley. And that was beautiful because you have the city skyline behind you. And um, so I really loved Hong Kong. And then I went to Dubai first for the Dubai World Cup. I had my spring break. And every time I had a vacation in school, I'd always use it to go do a vet internship somewhere. Because I just thought as much hands-on and as much networking as I can do will really help put me in the right direction. Um, so I went there the year that Arrogate won. And got to work with the Dubai World Cup vets. I got to work with Arabian Endurance vets, um, camel vets. So it was a really different experience out there, and I loved it. And then I also went to Ireland, and I got to ride out there and work with the vets in Ireland. So I've had a pretty diverse education. Uh, I want to reiterate, folks, if I haven't mentioned this already, uh, Fer Dr. Farron Peterson is only 29. She's she's done all this and she's not even hit her 30s yet. I can only imagine what the rest of the decades hold for you. And I would also add that on your Christmas vacation, you went to Burma, climbed mountains, bathed in rivers and helped sick animals in, uh, in desperate situations. On my Christmas vacation, I went and saw Spider-Man and played trivia and drank beer. <laughs> uh, you're a little more accomplished than I am, uh, Dr. Peters, and that's impressive. Uh, Thank you. It is it's truly amazing. Which one of those places do you like the best? If you had to pick one to go to and hang out for a little while, just to hang out, where would you pick? Burma. 
Really? Isn't that, that I thought Burma was dangerous. Yeah, it is. It's but Myanmar, right? It's exotic, yeah. Myanmar. Yeah, but uh, bad stuff happens there, doesn't it? That's why I was up. It does. That's why I don't know self-defense. Huh, okay, I guess that helps. <laughs> hey, Farron, uh, just curious, what's the level of horsemanship like in the countries like Japan and Hong Kong? I know Japan's really made big strides in the last 30 years to get on the world stage. What's what's uh, can, can you tell a difference in the style of horsemanship or the the level of horsemanship compared to uh, America? I would say Americans actually have better horsemanship because in Japan, most of them don't get to grow up with horses because it's so expensive to have a horse because, you know, it's limited land. So a lot of them were more learning about horses. But as far as their technology, equipment, track surfaces, rehabilitation facilities, the way they treat their horses, that's the best I've ever seen. But between like America and Ireland, I would say both those countries, I was most impressed by the horsemanship because people who grew up around horses, I just think you're learning from horses every day. So the more that we can be around them, the better we become. I understand. Alan, don't sell yourself short. You, you host the eighth best podcast in Lincoln County, Kentucky. Really? We've moved up from ninth? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We've, we've moved past eye on chest hair. So we're, we're on our way to the, to the top. And in fairness, Spider-Man was a really good movie. I got it. It, it was uh, it was pretty impressive. Okay. Not as impressive as Burma or Hong Kong, but pretty damn impressive. I got hey, uh, One last thing for you, Farron. I've mentioned this to you all, fair. I love the name Farron. I think it's one of the reasons that you first caught my eye back in the day. I love the. I think I was going to name one of my children Farron, but my wife wouldn't let me. Really? Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I can't. They're both girls. It seemed like it worked for boys or girls, but uh, she vetoed me as she does on occasion. His name is. What's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, I said it can, can be a boy's name as well. That's right, exactly. Because can you? I can think of one famous Farron. Can you think of the one famous Farron? Farron Young. There you go. That's. I knew you'd get it. I knew you'd get That's it. That's not who I'm named after, but I've had people tell me this. That's only that's a for those guys that don't know Farron Young. It's F A R O N was a male country singer back in the fifties and sixties. One of the, he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. And every time I see his name Farron Peterson, I think of Farron Young. So I'm impressed you knew that. But after talking to you all, all for the last forty five minutes, I mean uh, everything impresses me. So there is a uh, local horse player and a horse owner named Farron McCubbins. We need to get him on the show really? too. He's a really good horse player. I think he's won a couple of tournaments. It's really? spelled F A F A R O N though I think. Mm-hmm. Like Fair and Young. Yeah. Right. He, he's from uh, Louisville or so, Bullitt County or something like that. I tell you what, we get Farron Peterson, Farron McCubbin. We can't get Farron Young. He's he's, he's long funny. deceased. So, uh, but we'll settle for this one. Yeah. Round up hey, all the friends. Yeah, Farron. Uh, seriously, uh, Doctor Peterson, uh, we appreciate you being on. Uh, we'll let you go. We won't keep you too long, but. Uh, your 29 years is pretty impressive, and there, there's just more to come. I mean, uh, your uh, the jockey skills are what catches your eye, but the resume really, really opens your eyes. So uh, we look forward to seeing you on a lot more winners at Turfway, Keeneland, Churchill, Ellis, Kentucky Downs, whichever. But uh, thank you for being on with us, and we really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Farron. Thanks, Farron. All right, that was Dr. Farron Peterson, uh, an up-and-coming rider on the Kentucky circuit and she's already made her way on the Monmouth circuit. That's a very, very impressive young lady. 
Oh, my God. I mean, we have a tendency to fawn over our guests because, uh, in fairness, we do it one hell of a job picking our guests. And uh, we certainly picked an amazing uh, young lady there. Um, uh, she's an up-and-coming jockey, but she's an up-and-coming human being. She's going to contribute quite a lot to society over in uh, her time on this earth. Uh, very impressed by Dr. Peterson. Yeah, over the top. I mean, honestly, to have all those credentials, well-traveled, I mean, she is highly educated and, and you know, on the a ground. Good rider. Yeah, great rider. I mean, she does it all. I've never seen anybody do first, you know, full circle within this business. And uh, hats off to her. And I think she's going to have a fantastic 2022 racing season. Yeah. And uh, uh, one quick note, uh, we mentioned to her off air after we signed off with her. And I think it's a good idea. We had Sarah Hamilton on a couple weeks ago. It was the same age as Farron. And uh, she was fantastic. Farron's fantastic. They should have their own show, the Farron Peterson and Sarah Hamilton show, or flip it however they prefer. But uh, there, there's a couple. There's a couple of ladies you might keep your eye on. They're both very well spoken. Um, they may have a career even beyond racing, quite frankly. Absolutely. Before we wind up episode number 87, uh, we want to give a shout out to Kentucky Wildcats. Damn straight. Apparently, an exciting. Victory over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. I didn't get to see it, but uh, mm. uh, from all accounts, it was, a, it was a great game. What were you uh, doing, man? Yeah, shopping. I was shopping. Oh. Amanda, I got some Amanda some gift cards, and she wanted to go shopping. And and mm. so, yeah, we, we did the shopping thing on Saturday. And then uh, uh, the next day, uh, the, the Cincinnati Who Days clinched <laughs> the AFC North. And I tell you what, uh, I missed that one too. So uh, yeah, but we were watching. Uh, yeah, we were watching Spider Man though. So that was. Uh, it was oh, that's uh, understandable. Yeah, and I didn't think I didn't think the Bengals had a shot to beat Kansas City. So I had, you know. But Brandon, a, a question for you: uh, uh, Who day? Who day? Who day? Think going to beat the Bengals, Brandon? <laughs> I mean, if they play. Nobody. That was scary. That was scary. Oh my yeah. goodness, my heart, my heart. Yeah, that was really good. I, I was. <laughs> man, they're so fun. I mean, it's great to see it, and uh, ah, <laughs> we had a great time watching the Lake House. I'm coming to your house for the playoffs. Ready? Bring it. I'm sitting. I'm, I'll be here uh, this coming weekend too. We're gonna tailgate. We're gonna tailgate, and then uh, uh, watch the Bengals lose. <laughs> oh. All right, that's all I've got. Thanks again to Dr. Farron Peterson. Uh, very glad to, to meet her and wish her continued success on the racetrack or whatever she does after that. So uh, on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers and a cast of thousands more, <laughs> this is CC brought us. Mining you, the gambling money ain't got no. Oh. Happy New Year. Yay.